Welcome to Swarupa Vidya Ashram. My name is Swami Nirmalananda. Each audio is a discourse that I offered at a satsang, a free meditation program, and was followed by meditation. These teachings address the underlying questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I do what I came here to do? I went to my guru with these same questions. While he gave me the teachings I share here, most importantly, he gave me the inner experience they describe. This is why I teach, to share the same with you, both the theory and the inner experience of your own inherent divinity. The bliss of consciousness is your birthright. Meditate and discover that you are greater than you could ever imagine. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave Satchidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya Shantaya Niralambaya Tejase Muktanandaya Gurave Shisha Samsara Harine Bhakta Kayaika Dehaya Namaste Chitsaratmane Heta Veja Gatameva Samsara Nava Setave Prabhave Sarva Vidyanam Shambhave Gurave Namaha Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara, Guru Sakshat Parabrahma, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Om Swarupa Swaswabhava Namo Namaha. I bow to my own self. I bow to my Baba's own self. I bow to his Baba's own self. I bow to your own self. Your own isness. Your own shivaness, the one divine reality, being you, while being all and beyond all. Again and again I bow. Om Svarupa Swaswa Bhavanamo Namaha. Peeling the onion. The other morning I walked into the kitchen, set on making breakfast enchiladas. And then I found out we had no corn tortillas. Hmm. Okay, I'll have something else. Now, I do have to say that there's no real substitute for breakfast enchiladas. At least not the way I make them. They're cheese filled with lots of veggies and very saucy. Yum. So what am I supposed to have instead? Toast? They just don't compare. You ever had this problem? 
that you wanted something you couldn't have. Maybe it wasn't enchiladas, but I don't know how it goes for you, but I remember when it was a big deal for me. I would be unhappy about what I wasn't getting for hours, for days. Some of them I even stretched to months and years. Then there's the decades-old stuff, carried far too long, with distorted memories of what you didn't get when you wanted it, or what you did get when you didn't want it, from people who may be dead and gone, or don't remember. I gotta ask, just who is benefiting from all this reactivity? Really, who even cares about my breakfast enchiladas? I was proactive about it. I put corn tortillas on the grocery list for another day. (laughs) What happens to you when you can't have a pleasure that you want? You want to walk the dogs and there's a thunderstorm blowing through. You want chocolate and there's none in the house. Or you intentionally don't buy it so you aren't tempted. It's just too hard to resist temptation, you say. How bad does it get inside your head? Have you ever just sat through the inner storm? Is it a hurricane tearing you up? Or is it just a few wind gusts and rain sprinkles? You know, really, it's true. You don't always get what you want. Mick Jagger named it for us. You can't always get what you want. So if your happiness depends on fulfilling your desires, you're going to be unhappy more of the time than you are happy. Let's look at the underlying premise. You believe that if your desire is fulfilled, you'll be happy. This also means that when your desire isn't fulfilled, you'll be unhappy. Except... That's not really the way it works. It's the other way around. Not getting your desires is not what creates unhappiness. Unhappiness creates desire. When you're happy, you don't desire anything. When you're on top of the world, feeling relaxed and fulfilled, you don't look for something to make you happy. Why? Because you already are. When you understand how it really works, you've got a way to work with what's going on inside. When you're feeling desire, it's because you're unhappy. Yoga says instead of pursuing the desire, deal with the underlying cause, unhappiness. Now, I recognize there are a lot of different ways you can be unhappy. You can be anxious, lonely, needy, greedy, disappointed, sad, or just plain bored. The good news is that you don't have a remedy for each of these different things. Well, you already have one of sorts. The method you usually use, pursue a pleasure. And you have your favorite ones. Instead, I'll suggest you do a little bit of yoga whenever you're feeling unhappy. With any type of unhappiness, 
you can do the same yoga thing every time. It will treat the cause, freeing you from your unhappiness. So you experience the bliss of your own beingness arising inside. Still, I recognize that most people look for something to distract themselves from how they feel. Except distraction doesn't change anything. It just distracts you from your unhappiness. It's like taking a painkiller. Kill the pain! Kill the messenger that's trying to tell you there's something wrong. Distract yourself from all your woes. Except when you turn your attention back to them, they're probably still the same as they were. And so are you. Yoga will change you. The external situations might not change, but you can. How do you do this? Yoga says to look at what you're experiencing. Instead of running away from it by pursuing pleasures, look at what's going on inside. Can you intervene with your mind? Can you untangle the tangled web of your karmas from this life and past lives? Can an old dog learn new tricks? Yoga says, yes, and that old dog will get young again when it does things differently. Yoga and especially meditation are known for their healing and youthening effects, increasing your vitality and enthusiasm. You're used to feeling enthusiasm when something outside of you attracts you. There you are, seeking pleasure again. I'm inviting you to look at what's going on inside when you're attracted to something outside. It can be scary. But it's because you think you won't be able to have your habitual pleasures. I promise you, you can still follow through on whatever you choose, hopefully healthy pleasures. I'm not trying to stop you or to get you to control your senses. I'm not talking about you doing this because I know it's a futile approach. It simply doesn't work. Stoicism, ignoring your desires, comes back on you like a bad dinner. You end up obsessed on things you've decided not to do. This is not helpful. It is not uplifting or fulfilling. What to do instead? Look at the desire itself and see What's prompting it? Peel the layers. I grew up near the Pacific Ocean. The waves are higher than what we're used to near here. It's because the western coast has underwater bumps and ridges. The Atlantic seashore, for much of its length, is smooth and gently sloped for a long way out to sea. So the waves come in like ripples. With the Pacific, it's a sharp undersea slope. In the best surf spots, there's a ridge hidden under the water. The water flowing in towards shore hits that ridge and is pushed up into a swell like a bump in the water. And that turns into a wave that travels towards shore and crashes on the beach. 
In the same way, your thoughts and ideas flow through your mind until they run into a bump. That bump makes your thoughts and feelings rise up inside and you ride the wave all the way to your own pain and perdition. What's in that bump? Let's look at the bump itself. This is what causes the inner swell of need, pain, discomfort, the feelings you want to distract yourself from, or the stuff you beat yourself up about, or the feelings that lead you to do stupid stuff. What's going on in there? Yoga has a process of looking inward to see what's prompting your thoughts and actions instead of the knee-jerk reflex like I used to have with popcorn. Maybe you can take a few breaths and discern what's really going on inside. Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras explains what triggers you. He explains your whole life, how one thing leads to another, to another, a subterranean process that triggers you without you understanding why or how. It's called the kleshas. Kleshas are bindings, the way that consciousness binds herself in order to become the individual. The supreme cosmic power of consciousness twines herself in on herself, hiding her divinity within your individuality. How does she do this? We'll use Patanjali's map of the Kleshas to understand. The ancient sages of India gave us multiple maps to work with, but this is one of the easiest. There are five Kleshas, five bindings that hide your own self from yourself. First, I'll go through them in detail with explanations along the way. Then I'll go through them again, summarizing them in a way that will make you able to take them home with you, I hope. Consciousness first takes on avidya. This is the first klesha, avidya. The not knowing of your own divine essence. A type of amnesia so that you don't know who you really are. You are divine consciousness. You are Shiva. But most of the time, you don't know your own divine essence and beingness. Vidya means knowing, and avidya means you don't know. Since you don't know who you are, you construct a substitute sense of self, asmita. This is the second binding, which I call small s self. Your capital S self is the one self-knowing reality, the basis of all existence. But your smallest self is who you think you are, based on where you live or where you came from, who you know or what you do. Also called ego. It's a small sense of self, weak and shaky, always needy, always dependent on something outside of you to make you feel complete, to feel good about yourself. Most people think ego is about vanity or pride or self-assertiveness, but yoga says the people who act that way are compensating for how they feel on the inside 
that they feel puny and small, just like everyone else. They're just trying to hide it from themselves. Asmita, ego, makes you feel small. So I call it small as self. When you know the capital S self, you have no need to pump yourself up or even to be noticed and appreciated. You are full, whole, and complete within. While it's called humility, it's simply a lack of fear and need. Vidya is the inner knowing of your own self, but you have avidya, the not knowing. So you work hard to create a substitute sense of self, your smallness self. Unfortunately, it's easily threatened and needs lots of external support from others and from your own actions, which is the next klesha, the next binding raga, desire. Desire, need, dependency, gotta have, gotta go, gotta do, gotta be seen, gotta get. As I said earlier, when you're happy, you don't desire anything. When you're on top of the world, happy, feeling relaxed and fulfilled, you don't look for something to make you happy. Why? Because you already are. And when you don't know who you are, and you're looking for others to give you a sense of self, or your actions to create your sense of self-worth, then you're full of desires. And they keep you going, running in circles, trying to get what you want from the outside, when what you want is inside. What you really want is your own self. Avidya, the not knowingness, gives rise to asmita, the smallest self, a poor substitute for the real thing. That shaky sense of smallest self gives rise to a steady stream of desires, raga. And raga gives rise to dvesha, the fourth binding, repulsion. You know what you want. And you know what you don't want. Dvesha, aversion, repulsion, abhorrence, antipathy, hatred, disgust. You are averse to pain. You do everything you can to avoid certain situations, certain experiences, even certain locations. You maybe been there and don't want to go back again. Or you've heard it will be bad, so you're going to make sure that you don't have to go through it. It is intelligent to learn from others' experiences, as cited in the Yoga Vasishta. But a feeling of repulsion or aversion is a gut-level experience, more visceral. You are avoiding things that would undermine your small as sense of self. Like, if you saw yourself as a gourmet chef, you could never eat fast food french fries. And if someone dropped by with a surprise treat, a big bag of McDonald's fries and even their apple pies, all of which are vegetarian, your stomach would turn. You'd have to go into the kitchen and make something more, more, more gourmet. Your whole identity would be based on your food choices. 
Well, this would be one of your many identities. You see, asmita or ego is so puny that one is not enough. As a substitute sense of self, asmita has to make up for the loss of your own divinity. So you create many small as selves. They even compete with each other. You can have arguments with one small as self disagreeing with another. A whole committee meeting can be going on in there. It's scary which is the fifth klesha, the reason that you live in anxiety, abhinavesha, fear of death. Specifically, it is the fear that you will lose the world when you die and all your enjoyments. Oh, no! While it's true that you will die, worldly things don't make you who you are. You are capital S self, capital S self, not small s self. Small s self is what you do, not who you are. When your sense of self is dependent on worldly things, fear is a dominant theme in life. We call it by a nicer name, anxiety. But anxiety is fear. Anxiety is also nervousness. Worry, concern, angst, fretfulness, apprehension. We have lots of synonyms for fear. But fear underlies most of your decisions, unfortunately. So you are really bound, locked down five times over in a puny sense of self that is riddled with need, working hard to avoid ugly things and limited by your fears. What a life. Most of life is working from the outside inward so you can do this with the clashes. Are you worried about something? That something is either a thing you want to avoid, dvesha, or that you worry that you won't get what you want, raga. And I'll remind you, You can't always get what you want. So if you're at anxiety, then you're trying to avoid pain or unhappiness, Vesha, or you're anxious that you can't get what you want, Raga. And when you find the aversion or desire or both, it's really there about constructing your small-ass self, asmita. And if your small as self isn't being supported, then you realize you don't really know who you are, avidya. This is called dissolving the clashes, like peeling the layers of the onion. And what do you find inside? If you peel off each layer, what's inside? Nothing. Empty space. Except that inside you, that space is the vast space of consciousness itself, of beingness itself, of your own divine self, the one divine reality that has become all and is being you while being all. So you peel away the layers. 
I went into the kitchen planning to make breakfast enchiladas. We had no corn tortillas. Oh, no. Now, what was underneath the desire for breakfast enchiladas? I knew the desire. I wanted the melty, cheesy, spicy, sweet, salty yumminess that I know from so many prior experiences. Desire. Raga. And, of course, I've had bad enchiladas before. Tvesha, aversion. But I know how to avoid bad enchiladas. I simply make them myself. Raga, desire. (laughs) And what is raga? What is desire hiding? Let's go through the layers. Fear hides aversion. Aversion hides desire. Desire hides the constructed sense of self, your small s self. And the small s self is hiding that you don't know who you really are, oh Shiva. So you reach that level and then you look within to find your own self. And the whole pyramid falls apart. Back to my breakfast enchiladas. Well, I had no fear. That's because capital S self is free from fear. And I had no aversion, though I can be vocal about bad enchiladas. Still, bad enchiladas are better than no enchiladas, I always say. But I had a desire for good enchiladas. I'd made them a couple of days before and even took a photo of them. I'll put them up on my new Instagram site later today. Nirmalananda.saraswati. So I started with desire. What is desire hiding? Fear hides aversion. Aversion hides desire. What is desire hiding? Desire hides a small as self. For me, that's from growing up and living decades in Southern California. Enchiladas were a big part of my life. And burritos, tacos, nachos, sopapillas, horchata, and more. So my smallest self gave rise to a desire that would help construct and reinforce it. But that's not who I am, really. I'm not a Californian. I live in Pennsylvania. Yet I'm not a Pennsylvanian. I'm not even a citizen of the world. I am a citizen of the cosmos and more. I am the self, the conscious self the one that is being the cosmos and beyond. And so are you. So where does the desire go? Gone. Like clouds in the sky just evaporate into thin air. And the fear goes the same way. Fear and aversion, desire, and the smallest self that depends on everything going just right. Poof! It was all mine. Just figments of your imagination. Like a dream that when you wake up, it's gone. This is why the sages say, wake up, oh my dear one, wake up and know that you are God. So what can you do to help with your own awakening? 
Well, Shaktipat is working on you from the inside out. Kundalini is the energy of the cosmos arising within you to burn away everything that keeps you small. She lights you up with the light of your own being. But your mind still tries to clamp down, to hide your light, to make you think you are small, needy, anxious, and afraid. You are so much more. So you could work on yourself by reminding yourself of the greater reality within by doing more mantra. Mm. I've said that before. Or you could peel back the layers that your mind is trying to install. Fear hides aversion. Aversion hides desire. Desire hides smallest self. Smallest self comes from not knowing your capitalist self. Who are you really? If I create an acronym for you to take this with you, it would be F-A-D-S, FADS. Like when you follow the crazy fashion stuff that lasts for a short time. That's what the clashes are. They are crazy stuff that lasts for a short time. Your whole lifetime, in fact. But in cosmic time, that's short. Fads, F-A-D-S. Fear, aversion, desire, small s self. Oh, there's two S's. F-A-D-S-S, fads. Because there's small s self and capital S self. Now, when you get below small s self and you run into the not knowing, that's pretty bleak inside. So you really need mantra then so you can get past that. The capitalist self, FADS, F-A-D-S-S. Fear is the F. Fear hides, fear hides. What's next in the acronym? It's an A. Aversion, aversion hides desire. Desire hides. Yes. And what's next? The extra S, capital S self. And the walls come tumbling down. Because when you know your own self, there's no fear, no desire, no aversion, no self-protectiveness, no hiding, no pushing forward, no compensating for how you feel inside because you feel whole, always and fully whole. Oh, Shiva. Fads. Fear, aversion, desire, small as self, capital S self. Abhinavesha, Dvesha, Raga, Asmita, Avidya. The acronym doesn't work so well in Sanskrit. It's better in English. Fads. Fear, aversion, desire. It means when you're stuck at one of those, you go looking to see what's under it. Because you have a sense of what you're looking for. It's easier to find. Peel the layers on anything, on everything, on anywhere your mind and heart get stuck, get unstuck. Uncover your own divine essence. It's always there. You are always you, even when you think you are not. And while you are being the self that you are, 
you can still have breakfast enchiladas. It's a whim, a passing desire, a lovely way of playing in this world, this beautiful, crazy, divine world with so many opportunities for fun. And this morning, I had toast for breakfast. It was delicious. Om Swarupa Swaswa Bhava Namo Namaha.